Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We have a couple of games to discuss today as we look ahead to the final two matches of the season as well and the welcome return of supporters back to Villa Park. I'm Andy and today I'm delighted to be joined by Craig. Hi Andy, uh, great to be back. Um, I am absolutely salivating at the prospect of talking today because this is the first time in my uh, short uh, Villa Lamp pod career that we're going to talk on the same day as a result, not to mention a very bad result against a poor Crystal Palace team. So I'm really ready to get stuck into that. You can find me at Craig Storrod on Twitter. Lots to discuss today because goodness me, that was a, that was a bad second half. Yeah, it certainly was, and I think I think we'll start with the Crystal Palace match um, against Convention, really, and we'll we'll circle back and talk about the the points from the Everton game later. Um, Smith made four changes for this for the Crystal Palace game today, and uh, Watkins was returning after his suspension, and El Mahamadi and Courtney Hawes came in to replace Matt Cash and Tyrone Mings, who who had an injury um, in the Everton game. And Jacob Ramsey also came in to replace Ross Barkley. Villa started pretty well in this, um, pretty much on the front foot and, and pushing Crystal Palace back with some some crisp passing and some some decent movement. Courtney Hawes and, and, and Jacob Ramsey each had you know decent chances to, to put Villa into the lead before finally John McGinn um, put Villa ahead with, with a lovely passing shot from 20 yards, which went in off the post. At this point, we seem to have control of the game, really, and you know it was a great way for for McGinn to mark his his first game of, as captain. You know how how are you feeling at this point? I was feeling wonderful. I think I, I I've said on the podcast that McGinn was the leader. You know, McG- Mings was the leader at the back, and McGinn was next in line for the captaincy without Grealish. And it was great to see him captaining um, Aston Villa today because obviously he is. Um, a fan favourite. He clearly loves the club, and he's grown with the club. You know, from from his time at um, uh, uh, Saint Mirren and, and Dundee United, and um, signing him from the from the from the Scottish League. You know, and growing with him. You know, he's grown as we've grown. He's gone into a full Scotland international, and that goal was international class a lovely one touch finish caressed it into the corner um which which shows what john mcginn can do and um you know it was a captain's performance to start with and um i thought you know one nil up we probably could have, could have scored a couple of others as well um in that first few minutes it was an absolute excellent excellent start lovely to see some some changes um happy to see uh Barkley make way I was disappointed to see Elmo um in over over Kessler um but we'll talk about more about Elmo um later on because I'm very displeased with him again um Ramsey you know as I've said all along those Premier League minutes are like gold dust I think Ramsey actually was terrible um but but 
I would rather Ramsey be terrible and stink up the place than Barkley be terrible and stink up the place. You know, if I'm going to pick between the two because Ramsey's with us for the long term. And um, Cash, Cash is beginning to be a bit of a concern, Andy. I don't know how you're feeling. Um, uh, you know, ham- another hamstring injury just a few weeks after the first one. Um, does this mean Cash has, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here, but it's certainly a concern, is it not? I think when you get these hamstring injuries, you know, sort of consecutive like that, it does it does become a concern? And I suppose it's actually come at a, a decent time for him because because now he has a good few months to, um, you know, to get it right and get it get it back to 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 some strength. But yeah, it's 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 always. I mean, when you get you get a, a two of the same injury, I suppose a little bit like Jack Grealish, you get two of the same injury. You cut, you start to think, is there a is there a weakness here? And I know. Um, you know, Mark has has talked on the podcast and and he's in his writing as well about Barkley and his hamstrings, and uh, it's it's a difficult one when you start to to get those injuries and hamstrings in particular. When you when you someone like Matt Cash, who is who part of his game is that is that that sprinting and that 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 sort of fast um, forward movements over twenty thirty yards. That's that's a concern. Um, but like like we say, I mean, it's 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 annoying that it's it's come at the end of the season. But it, you know, it's not like it's it's costing us anything in particular. And yeah, it's 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 one to keep an eye on, perhaps as we as we move forward. But I think um, hopefully now he'll 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 be able to rest up properly and he'll be he'll be okay. I just wanted to sort of um, say about about Ramsey and really the the, the whole team because. Um, you know, we've 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 talked about it before in terms of Barkley and and whether he should be sort of taking up that place in the team. And I'd say if Barkley's on 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 his top game, then he 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 warrants the place in the side. But but he hasn't been at all, has he? Since he's had that one game, perhaps against Everton um, a couple of weeks back. But other than that, he's been pretty terrible since he got injured. So I agree. I'd rather lose. Um, and have a stinker with Ramsey in the side, then <laughs> have the same with with Barkley in the side. Absolutely. While we're talking about Ramsey, um, this is a little bit off the, off off piece here, but why not? Um, because we can avoid talking about the game for a minute or two longer. Um, I spoke to a mate of mine about Conor Harahan, and um, obviously he's, he's he's been doing well. You know, he's going to be coming up in the playoffs, I think, in the next um, in the next uh, few days as well. So um, we can look out for that as Villa fans. And I said to a mate of mine, listen, I think that Harahan, had he played these minutes that Barkley or Ramsey's been playing as this number 10 in the 4-2-3-1, I think Harahan has uh, probably six or seven goals and eight or nine assists. And I was wondering how many points that would have been worth come the end of the season. Now, I know Harahan has some some real limitations, but do you think... As we look back on the season now, as we're towards the end of it, Andy, do you think that we have maybe missed the trick there by um, having having Haran Haran out, or is it worth it to get these minutes into Ramsey? And is Bar- Barkley was worth the gamble, I suppose, because Barkley has been a match winner as well. Well, I'm kind of biased because I'm a huge kind of Haran fan. Anyone who knows knows me knows this, and I, I will. I will always say that he's worth a place in the match day squad, if not in the in the first team, simply because he's so dangerous from those areas, from those, and those situations where you get goals from, and that's set pieces. 
and anything around the penalty area if the ball drops to him you know he's he's a, he's a goal threat and i think if you've got a player like that you 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 tend to think well certainly in in the in the stages of the season where we've been struggling um so since the covid break and since grealish has been injured someone like hurahan who offers you that that real um threat in front of goal and from set pieces because let's face it our our corners and free kicks are turgid we've got absolutely no one in the team who can who can deliver a decent corner or score direct from a free kick it's it's, it's absolutely abysmal it's, it it's, really is it really is it's, it's diabolical yeah i agree and yeah and 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 connor we know we know can do that sanson was always going to be a bit of a punt and we've got him uh, we've got him 6 m- months early on a, on a good deal and i'm sure he'll he'll we'll see the best of him in the next couple of years but but when you've got a player who is that who's that kind of reliable um in certain situations of the game get him in the side and and, and make it work you could play i mean the the thing with connor is i think he's he's suffered a little bit for his versatility um he's played in every position in that midfield he's played as a 10 and 8 and a 6 now i think he's a he's a 10 or an 8 and a half maybe he's a goal scoring midfielder and he's never really um settled down in the side in his in his favorite position at villa but he's still scored goals he's still created goals even when he was playing as a defensive midfielder he was there or thereabouts all the time and and that all right that might have been in the championship but 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 you still get my point you know why when you're going into a difficult second half of the season, why would you let a player like that leave? And I know maybe he wanted to, but you know, at the end of the day, he'd have stayed. And I'm sure, like you say, he'd have contributed more than Sanson, more than Barkley, and more than Ramsey to that to that 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 effort. I mean, just going back to the first half of the game, there, um, I think in the first minute or two. You know, there's been a good ball down the side. Ollie's ran the channel very well, like he does, and he's laid a beautiful ball back to Ramsey. And you just could see in his body language, his body shape, he didn't believe he could score. We didn't believe he could score. I mean, that's zero goals and zero assists for Ramsey. And I'm going to give Ramsey plenty of leeway and plenty of, because he's a young player. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to um, pile on. Um, but that kind of output from, I think he's made 20, 22 appearances now, something in that region for someone who's played primarily, you know, in, in an attacking midfield role is not good let's say, um, even though he is a young player. So uh, for Ramsey, um, you know, I just imagine if, if, if Watkins rolls that ball across to Harahan, you're thinking, well, if it's not a goal, it's at least he's at least working the keeper. Maybe the keeper makes a save and then, you know, maybe Watkins taps it in on the follow-up. But I do think, particularly in the second half of the season, allowing Harahan to go out on loan and Gilbert, for that matter, uh, because of Cash's, uh, um, what, uh, Cash's hamstring issues, and the, the problems that Elmo's having, I think those have, have, have bitten us a little bit. And um, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. I don't think Harahan's going to stay. I think he'll be moving on this summer and maybe we're going to move in a different direction. But I think for sure in the second half of this season, particularly as you say, with Grealish injured and with the threat he carries from set pieces and dead balls, particularly wide free kicks. Like if we get a wide free kick, you you know Harahan's going to put it in an area where where it's going to ask questions. Um It'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, for sure, I think that that, um, that, that the Harahan 
could have had a big part to play had he have hung around. But, you know, as Dean Smith said, you know, he kind of demanded to leave. He was like, I want to go and I want to play. So um, Dean Smith respected those wishes, but maybe it wasn't in the best interests of Aston Villa. Well, I think it's, I mean, hindsight's always the best sight, isn't it? And um, I don't, I suppose we couldn't have predicted necessarily that we were going to have a COVID outbreak or that we were going to um, lose Jack Grealish for such a long, t- or, long period of or time. Or that Barkley would be so terrible. <laughs> true. You know, he was great time, when, we, when he started. He was so good. Absolutely. And, and, and Barkley sort of took Connor's place, didn't he, in the team? And, you know, after Connor had scored that goal at. Um, at Fulham and, and Barkley came in and replaced him and that was a, a, a little bit harsh but there were no complaints because Barkley was was ripping it up at the time but but I just think sometimes when you it's for me sometimes putting a squad together is about having players who deliver who have certain weapons in their armory um whether that's um you know a big a big striker who you can someone like Peter Crouch or Andy Carroll who you know is going to win everything in the air whether that's someone with lightning pace who can turn a defence late on um, or if it's someone who's 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 a free kick specialist or a corner specialist or a, or a particular goal threat and, and Connor is that player now there will be times where he's, he's not on top of things in the midfield maybe and like we say he's, he's, he's limited in certain areas but you can there's no reason why he couldn't have played you know, in front of that 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 midfield two of of Dougie and and McGinn, and and operated in there, and he'd have scored goals. He would have done because that's what he does. And there's just no doubt in my mind it was a it was as it's turned out, it's been a mistake. Um, but you know, you you live and learn, I guess. And uh, we we respected his wishes as a as a good servant to the club. And um, yeah, it's it's just a bit a bit sad, really. Um, that it that it came down to that, but um, well, I mean, we'll get on, we'll get back onto the game. But I mean, it's a it's it's a great it's a great point, really, and we, worth worth a discussion, I think. Um, but I mean, P- Palace got back in the game. I think uh, you know the goal sort of prompted a response from then, and and, and Villa did really drop off. Um, you know, Christian Benteke scored the goal as he was he was bound to do. I think Dan predicted that on our on our WhatsApp group. Um, so so well done, Dan, for your foresight there. Um, but it was a classic Benteke goal, really, um, rising above Courtney Hawes to, to nod in. Uh, good cross as well for that for that goal. Um, but it did feel like Villa had kind of let them in. Really, we dropped off the the pace and the intensity and allowed Palace to 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 get a foothold. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, really. I mean, what what's happened to this the, the the old kind of Dean Smith philosophy of score a goal, keep the pressure on, kick, kill teams off. You know, if you've scored, I remember when he came in, he said, you know, if you've scored three, I want you to go and score four and five. I don't want you to just just defend the three goal lead. You know, it's the same with with one. You know, you've got to try and go and get two and three, haven't you, and, and kill the game off. Um, you know, it seems like we, you know, we've done it a lot recently, where we've we've just took our foot off the gas too readily once we're ahead. Yeah, I think I think that the chances were there to do that. I think that Palace didn't show up for the first half an hour until until they did, and um, you know there were chances. We talked about that Ramsey chance again. You know, I'm not saying that was a tap in from Ramsey, but again, he never looked like he was capable of scoring from there. Whereas maybe someone else, maybe even Barkley, would have been. Ollie's had a shot which has um, which has been saved by um, by. Uh, Jack Butland and then um, Courtney Hawes um, speaking of set pieces I've said you know he is a, an elite 
uh, header of a football, um, he wins he wins balls in the box for fun. Unfortunately, he's got a bit of a 50 pence head and it bounces <laughs> out for a goal kick. If he had any kind of direction on these headers, because he always wins them, if he had any kind of direction whatsoever, he could be a double figures uh, a defender. He'd also have to play to do that, you know, which he doesn't. But, you know, he wins stuff uh, for fun, which is ironic because obviously he, he did lose out on the, the, the goal to Benteke, but that was nothing House could do about that. Um, I think in answer to your question, the Smithball philosophy was there, but the Smithball philosophy has been replaced by what I have coined the Aston Villa Weekly Goal Giveaway Club. Um, and it was back after a brief reprieve against against Everton where it was balls to wall, bodies on the line, Mings actually injuring himself to keep a clean sheet um, uh, and missing this game because of his heroic defending. It was like they couldn't give a toss. Um, the, the first goal uh, for Benteke, um, Benteke uh, is, is, is on a hot streak playing for a new contract I'm sure he'll revert to type as soon as he signs a new deal I think Gabby used to pl- do the same trick to us years ago he'd turn up when he had a new con- wanted a new contract and then he'd be back on the shisha pipe and the kebabs anyway so um, the um, the the weekly goal giveaway club was back and um, Elmo Elmo if you watch this goal um, ladies and gentlemen Aston Villa fans Crystal Palace fans whoever's listening if you watch this goal again Elbow is nowhere to be found. He is somewhere in central midfield. We don't know why. Um, the ball ricochets. Um, uh, Troyore, of course, hasn't tracked back to cover him because Troyore, Troyore, Troyore was. As, uh, we gave Troyore some love last week. Troyore was also appallingly bad today. Good, like really bad today. Anyway, Elmo's in no man's land. Um, I think the ball bounces to McGinn. He tries to control it probably should have put in Rosette takes a poor touch ball roll straight out to Mitchell who puts in a peach of a ball and um, Benteke does what Benteke can do um, again there's several errors there McGinn poor touch Troy hasn't tracked Elmo absolutely in completely the wrong position and no one is there to stop the cross completely avoidable that is an Aston Villa goal giveaway um, so you can't do that. You can't give teams goals and win football matches. I mean, this is, we're going to talk about this a bit more later on, but this was back to the bad old days of last season where it's, you have a shot, we have a shot. You have a shot, we have a shot. And and it's it's this basketball thing and we always, we always end up on the wrong end of the stick. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, an error-strewn, um, an error-strewn goal. However, you know, well, it was it was perhaps uh, taken by by Palace. You know, it was a it was one of those goals that you just thought from from start to finish it looked preventable. Um, I mean, I mean, despite despite that, you know, Villa Villa did kind of go into half time ahead. You know, they they they, uh, they they managed to push on a little bit, and um, it was some some great tenacity from from Ollie Watkins uh, in the penalty area. Kind of, you know. You know, leaping to a um, to a high ball, nodded it backwards for uh, for El Ghazi to to sweep it home past um, past Butland. It was a, it was a really good finish, actually. Quite a difficult chance to control and keep down. Um, but it's an, a, another goal for 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 Anwar, who's been also called up to the provisional Dutch squad for the Euros this week, which is a great great thing for him and it does show that he has caught the eye um in some respects he perhaps wasn't his best game today um but he he certainly keeps um he's he's keeping his his numbers ticking over um which are which remain you know quite impressive really um 
but there does seem this feeling really that that we still need to improve on Algarzi um, in some respects in the it's certainly in the wide areas for next season despite you know how well he's done this season in terms of his goal his goal output what 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 do you put that down to what do you think that is i think that people want um i think that people want el ghazi to be something that that he isn't i think is why it is but but firstly i should before i answer the question andy uh, just congratulations to 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 beautiful anwar um you know uh, a great thing for him to be back in the holland squad he hasn't been in it since for years and years and years since he was playing at Ajax and uh, this is a guy who wasn't even in the matchday squad for Aston Villa at the beginning of the season he was way way down the pecking order and he's fought his way back into the first team he's scoring goals he's he's doing his thing and now he he's in the provisional squad for Holland which is which is a decent uh, probably the best squad best best Holland team has been for a few years as well so congratulations to him first and foremost um, but to answer your question Andy I think that People want El Ghazi to be something that he isn't. Um, we've said before, El Ghazi has all of the pieces. He just doesn't necessarily always put them together. I mean, in terms of the numbers now, it just can't be argued with. Double figures, 10 goals this season. It's incredible. You can't argue with the numbers. Um, but I think the reason that people want more from El Ghazi is that there is inconsistencies there. El Ghazi has admitted that himself in the interviews. And I think if you look at Traore, he's hot and cold and, and and some of this is just natural with wingers Trezeguet's hot and cold um you know Al Ghazi numbers wise has been our best winger this season but I think fans want him to be something he isn't I think they want a second Jack Grealish I think they want you know two Jack Grealishes in that front three um and I think when you see today against Crystal Palace when you're looking at Zaha and Eze now Zaha's got a goal today Eze hasn't but I think we saw in in Eze or you see in a Buendia type player the kind of things that that the Anwar doesn't have which is he can take the ball and he's very direct he's he's he's, he's he wants to shoot he wants to score Eze today would take the ball he can receive it you know, under pressure from two or three players. He can do a little dance. He can do a little bit of what Jack Grealish does. He can re- he can relieve pressure, give a pass away. He can win a foul. Um, he's ticking away. He's popping up in different pockets of space. And and I don't think Al Ghazi does that. I think Al Ghazi, I've decided, is like become this season like the Darren Bent of wingers. So Darren Bent, as we'll all remember from his Aston Villa days, wonderful finisher, especially in the season with Julier. He had uh, Ashley Young on one side, Downing on the other side. He was scoring goals for fun, but that's all he did. And you might be thinking, Craig, what do you mean? That's all he did. Goals win games. That's the most important thing. Yeah. But you'll also notice if you watch football, the Darren Bent type of striker or the Ian Rush type of striker has kind of disappeared. They have gone the way of the dinosaur. They're extinct because football teams want high-pressing forwards. They want an Ollie Watkins or a Patrick Bamford, or they want a Firmino, or they want a um, um, they, they they want they want players who give a bit more into the all-round game. So, I think that El Ghazi might be um, might be falling a little bit foul of that because I think that although he scored a goal today, and I'm not going to take away anything from his figures. You know, in terms of his goal, in terms of his game involvement, he wasn't doing the things Zaha was doing. He wasn't doing the things that Eze was doing, and I think that is where Villa fans want him to, to want more from him. I think you know we talked about about kind of Hurahan, you know, just a few minutes ago, and you know, I've, I've, I find that we're having similar discussions really to uh, about Al Ghazi as we were about Hurahan a couple of years ago, where 
Hurahan was scoring those goals, um, but he still wasn't really getting the the kind of plaudits or the respect, perhaps from the Villa fans that that um, that maybe his those that output deserved because. He, he perhaps wasn't doing the things that we expect a midfielder to do. Um, and, and El Ghazi perhaps falls into that category, really, where he's, he's like you say, he's direct, but he's a, he's, a bit, he's a bit one pace. He's a bit kind of, he'll have a shot. It's very instinctual what he does. And sometimes you need it to be a bit more considered and a bit more skillful, maybe. Um, that's not to say he isn't skillful, but... It's all very kind of, you know, fast. And if it doesn't work, it's it's it's, you know, suddenly you're back to square one and you're defending again. So it's very it's very difficult. And I think sometimes he's, he's you know, I saw once or twice today. I think some of his colleagues were getting, some of his teammates, I should say, were getting a bit a bit frustrated with him because he is very kind of one eyed and he will he will just go for goal when sometimes. There's far better options on, even if it is sort of turning around and going backwards. It, it is almost like he's on train tracks. He's back, he's forward, he's back, he's forward. But he's not, you know, he's like a, he's almost like a, um, like a line dancer, you know. Whereas Eze or a Buendia or Zaha or Grealish, they're like a flamenco, you know, or they're salsa, you know. They're moving their hips and they're moving around, and 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 and, and you know. El Ghazi's playing his straight lines. So I think that that you know that's kind of what 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 he is. You don't you don't see him popping up in 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 pockets of space to pick up the ball to drive, you know, he's he's going to be where he's going to be and he's kind of like, okay, this is my space. This is what I do. I'm out here. And um and maybe that's a confidence thing or maybe that's just a personality thing, but um again, the numbers can't be argued with, but that doesn't mean that um he can't still improve and that doesn't mean we can improve upon those positions. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on in terms of where we're going to look to finish next season. And um, I think that's why people think they can improve on Anwar. Um, you're not going to improve on the numbers because no Villa winger has scored those kind of numbers against since Ashley Young. So if we do get a Buendia or an Eze or whoever it is, I don't think we're going to get an Eze or Buendia, frankly, but whoever the wide player is that we bring in, don't expect 10 goals from them because those numbers are very rare. Even Jack doesn't get 10 goals a season. He may, he may have this year if he stayed fit, but he didn't, so he can't. Um, so don't expect 10 goals. Don't expect El Ghazi figures, but you might expect something a little bit more fluid in terms of the, the interchanging and a little bit more maybe f- football intelligence, if, if, if you like, for want of a better term. Absolutely, and, and I think I think it goes back again to what we were saying. It's that it's it's having those those different options in the squad, and there's there's no doubt in my mind this 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 season has um, has proved it that for me Al Ghazi has absolutely has a place in the in the Villa squad for next year because he does offer you something that other players don't, and um, you know when you need something to be a bit more direct or. You know, it's horses for courses sometimes, isn't it? And and he certainly um, has an impact in in certain games. But it's finding that, and it's it's finding where where he's most um, dangerous, um, and 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 getting him on the field in those moments, I suppose. And uh, that's that's um, you know that's a, a, a 
you know, a, a task for the for Dean Smith really. But um, he's certainly done well this season. Like we say, we can't can't really argue, and um, he's not that far behind Ollie Watkins in terms of goals, really. Um, but so, but, uh, but also, you know. this is also about squad depth, by the way, because there should be times where it should be horses for courses. Like there should be an opportunity today, for example, when when um, when Troyore is, is stinking out the out the joint there should be another winger there and obviously we've lost Trezeguet and, and, and Grealish could only play for a certain amount of time but today was an opportunity where you can see you can see after 20 minutes Troyore is 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 not not at the races here pull him at half time throw another winger in so I think that yeah, I agree with exactly exactly what you're saying El Ghazi is part of the, the team next season he is if, if one man has earned his place in the squad for next season it's El Ghazi but it should be horses for courses and there should be times where El Ghazi drops out Troyra drops out we should have more more options and I appreciate Trezeguet's injured Jack can only play 20-25 minutes at the moment so we are limited in that respect but um, I do think you're absolutely spot on there he's earned his place for next season for sure yeah, definitely, and, and hopefully he, get, he does get to the Euros. He makes the cut, and he's uh, he's at the Euros with the with the Dutch squad. That would be a a great um, achievement for him after this season. So, um, but moving on, I mean, I suppose the, you know the the least said about the second half, the better, really. Um, Villa were um, completely outfought and outplayed by a team who seemed to to really want it more and showed far more attacking intent. An attacking quality than Villa um, throughout the second half. Even when Grealish came on for the last uh, 30 or so minutes, um, Villa really had no idea how to create a chance, um, you know, or or just to see the game out. Really, um, it, it was real. It was real sort of turgid stuff from from Villa. First, you know, Wilfred Zaha was allowed, you know, to freely kind of waltz into the Villa penalty area. And hit a hit a shot unchallenged. I've just realised there's a real dance uh, <laughs> dance theme going on here, but uh, that's how it seemed. Um, you know, a, a shot unchallenged, and and it deflected off Elmo's backside past past Martinez, which said it all really. Then you know, more Palace pressure saw Villa unable to clear their lines as as the ball found its way to Tyrick Mitchell at the back post, who who sort of directed the ball home with his shoulder, which. Um, on another day, I'm sure if that had been a Villa player, that would have been ruled out. Um, but it was no more than, than either team deserved at this point. Palace certainly deserved to be ahead and Villa had done nothing to to warrant um, being in the lead. So uh, talk me through this one, Craig, without swearing. Yeah, just just again, the Aston Villa goal, uh, weekly goal giveaway club, but uh, you know, two two for the price of one in the second half. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I said before, uh, you know, and I, I, I talked about you know some of the goals Liverpool scored against us, and and um, some of the goals Man City scored against us, and um, even Bamford going back to the Leeds game. I think Bamford scored one. He just put one in the top corner. I don't even like Bamford. If a player scores a good goal against Aston Villa, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it, but I can accept it. You show me a good goal there today from Crystal Palace. I nearly swore there. <laughs> 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 three bad goals okay and and I'm looking at I'm looking at I'm looking at Elmo again <laughs> but the the shape is all at sea this was last season's villa so it's 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 just the the Zaha goal okay Watkins loses out his hold up play I think was was quite poor his hold up play in the second half was poor and 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 also then there's no pressure on the ball so I think it's one pass the ball comes out to Eze he's on his own 
uh, and he's on his own by the halfway line. So you're thinking, no danger here. We're in a good shape. We've just had a goal kick or whatever. But no, Elmo is is for some reason in field again, thinking he's 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 I don't know if he thinks he's Cafu or he's 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 he's, he's in the centre of the field, um, like an inverted one of Pep Guardiola's inverted fullbacks. Maybe he's watching too much Man City, and he's no and and it's one ball, one ball from uh, from from Eze played around the halfway line, and Zaha's one on one with Konza. Where's Elmo? Nowhere to be found. Konza does his best to hold him up. No one comes to help him out. McGinn doesn't come to help him out. Louise doesn't come over to help him out. Not even Elmo comes up to help him out. He gets half a yard on Konza because Zaha's very good at that. Then Elmo, he's got the block on for me. He's got the block on. And if he doesn't block it, Hawes is in the way. So is Martinez. It's going to have to be a really special strike there from Zaha to score. And what's unforgivable from Elmo, completely unforgivable, is he's turned his back. If he faces that up, like Mings would or like Konza would or like Matty Cash would, that for me bounces out for a corner. But he's 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 jogging back. He didn't he didn't I don't think he cared. It was a similar similar lackadaisical attitude we saw against Leicester for Elmo where where he was responsible for at least one if not both of their goals. Similar lackadaisical attitude we saw from Elmo against Sheffield United. Um and and I love Elmo. Elmo has been uh, I, you know I've I've got a lot of time for Elmo. You know, Elmo was incredibly important to the recent history of this football club. Um, and let me not let that go unsaid. But his performances this season, um, going back to the earlier point about learning out Gilbert, for me have been have been completely unacceptable. And and for me, this is clearly one one step too far for Elmo. Um, one season too far for Elmo. And I think that he seems to cost us at least one goal, more or less every time he plays. So for me, I would... Um, I would like to see him not play in the last two games of the season. Maybe that's harsh, Andy. I don't know. How do you feel? Well, no. I, th- I mean, I think he will play. I think he will have um, he will have his last two games at at, um, at the club, um, and then he'll be on his way in the summer. I mean, I I I've kind of um, been caught out a little bit here because I was I was very um, quite vocal about about Gilbert and Gilbert leaving because I don't think. Or I certainly hadn't seen anything of Gilbert to suggest he was good enough um, to play in the Premier League at the moment. More than happy for him to have a loan and come back and prove me wrong. Um, and I was very convinced that Elmo would be more than capable of, of standing in and and um, you know filling in for cash if we needed him. Um, but that hasn't proved to be the case. And I think I think Gilbert's having quite a, or had a, quite a good time of it at, at Strasbourg and. I'm sure he'll be back in the summer and they'll make a decision on him. But yeah, I think another one where in hindsight uh, we perhaps let the wrong man go. And, um, uh, you know, certainly the performances I've seen from Elmo, it, he looks like a player who's who knows he's out of his, his depth, um, but he's trying to style it out. Um, there's a lot of times where there's a, a lot of times where he's 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 kind of he's laying the ball off and he just stands there and watches it. It's almost out of hope than than anything else. It, he just doesn't look confident. He slows the attack down as well. On you know we saw this. I remember against Sheffield United. You know, you know Villa are pressing forward and Elmo gets the ball and it just all comes to a halt. Um, and that's never how he's been in the past. He's never been that type of player. He's always been a very attacking fullback. I mean, he used to be a winger, really, didn't he? He was a he was a winger at Sunderland and at Hull. 
Um, and uh, he has converted into a reasonable fullback. But I think this year um, would have been, you know, a good year for him to have stepped down to the championship or or, or gone abroad because he hasn't um, he hasn't been good enough. And uh, it is a shame because he is one of the promotion heroes and. Um, like we say, he's he's, very, he's been very important and a good signing and, and by there's, Steve Bruce. There's, there's, it was a good signing by Steve Bruce, and you'll 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 you won't hear me say too many good things about Steve Bruce. But um, you know, the signing of Elmo was 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 spot on, and by all accounts, he's a very good character around the club as well. And there's no shame in not being good enough anymore for, for Elmo. I want to make that clear as well. This is this is a um, this is Father Time. You know, Father Time remains undefeated for all athletic careers and all people on the planet. You know, no one beats Father Time, including Elmo. And um, yeah, from what I've seen of him this season, it has been one one season too far. And um, I think if 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 learning out Harahan was was a mistake, learning out Gilbert, and again, Gilbert certainly has some. <laughs> You talk about positioning, Gilbert could certainly go wandering around. And I've spoken about this before. I think you agree with me, Andy. You know, people love his, his passion and his slide tackles. Well, no, his slide tackles, Gilbert, is because he's out of position nine times out of ten. But maybe this season um, with Gilbert in a better unit, defensive unit, maybe that would have would have, would have helped him because he was new to the league as well. But um, it will be interesting because if, if Gilbert is to leave... And if Elmo, well, Elmo's, Elmo's at the door for sure. And if Cash does have ongoing hamstring trouble, all of a sudden it's either we, either Kessler, you need to be ready for Premier League football as of August, mid-August, or we need another right back. Yeah, well, you know, we might have this problem at left back as well, I suppose, with with Neil Taylor going. But yeah, there's. Um, I mean, I wonder whether there's there's some some mileage in in Gilbert. I mean, it's something I guess we can we can revisit over the summer once they're all once they're all back and we can we can speculate further. But I know he's a he's a huge fan favourite, and you know he I think he's he's quite keen on the club himself. He's he's you know he's um, he's made no secret of that. Um, but he certainly he was kind of fourth choice right right back at, at one point, you know, and we only had three right backs, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was he was he was up against it. So, uh, yeah. I, go on. I I saw on Twitter actually. I don't know how you feel about this. I, I want to talk about Mings in a second, but I saw on Twitter someone suggested that um, Konza should play right back if 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 Kessler if Kate Hayden Kane Hayden Kessler goodness me if their young man isn't ready if Kessler Hayden isn't ready um, then um, then perhaps do what you did in Project Restart. Let's switch. Um, Konza to right back and bring in either Engels or Courtney Horse. Would that be an option for you in the last couple of games? Because for sure, the wingers, you know, Elmo up against Son in midweek and Elmo up against Pulisic or, 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 or Havertz or Werner against Chelsea does not fill me with confidence. It's a possibility. I just think now um, Konza has, has has nailed down that 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 central mid, central defensive um, position, hasn't he? Really. Um, I don't know. Possibly because we we do have to shore up that side, and it was certainly something that worked well um, during Project Restart last year. I, I mean, 
I don't know, really. I don't know. You've stumped me a bit on that one. We'll have a think about yeah, it. Think yeah. about it, and we'll come back. At the end of the show, we'll do our predictions. You can let me know what you think. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But, I mean, it was... it was. Um, I suppose this game was was really a, almost a carbon copy of the uh, the defeat to Burnley earlier in the season, you know, taking the lead a couple of times and, and eventually um, falling behind to, to some pretty poor defending and, you know, not not really them sort of winning the game as much as, as us losing it, really. Um, you know, we've had other defeats um, to teams further down the table, including sort of Sheffield United and Brighton. Um, are the ones that spring to mind really? Um, it's, it seems that that maybe we've been sort of somewhat found out a little bit tactically. I mean, do you put this down to to, to tactics, or is it is it more sort of mentality, experience, physicality, or just kind of running out of steam? I think it's a combination of of, of lots of those things. I think we we have we have talked about the COVID break, you know, Villa before and after COVID. We don't know how many players. Um, uh, had COVID, long COVID. We don't know the effects. You know, we've 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 beaten that horse, uh, you know, to death, and we know that that is there and it's out there and it's been out there. But I think tech, tactics have been an issue. Um, I'll talk about that more in a second. Mentality has been an issue, particularly today against Crystal Palace. There was not a hunger to keep that ball out of the net like we have seen, like we saw just recently against Everton, like we saw in the first half of the season, it was, ah, well, it doesn't really matter. Which I can understand to a point. I can understand lots of players are, are on their holidays. Lots of them want to probably, you know, they're playing within themselves because they're trying to stay fit for their, their countries at Euro. So I get it, but, you know, let's call it what it is. There's been a lack of, ment- there's been a poor mentality. but And lots of it was failing to keep a hold of football. I mean, we didn't talk about the third goal. The third goal... Watkins has the ball in the centre circle, trips over himself. They break away down the right hand side and go score because uh, Watkins again his hold up play in the second half was 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 desperate. And I don't know what happened to to Watkins. Um, a lovely assist for El Ghazi's goal from Watkins, by the way. You know, I always try and be balanced. Um, but the main thing is tactics here. Um, tactics, in my opinion, if we if we if we really pare it down and, and and get it naked, if you will, tactics are supposed to accentuate your team's strengths and mitigate your team's weaknesses. Now we know that Villa have a very small team, particularly in the middle of the park. McGinn, tiny. Louise, t- in terms of you know footballers, tiny. Nam- Nakamba, even tinier. Ramsey, small. Uh, some of that's to do with youth. He's, he'll he'll fill out. Barkley's big. He's a big lad, probably 6'1", 6'2", big unit, but, you know, he, he's got the turning circle of the Titanic. So, with, with Sanson, with Sanson, we'll see, as you said, Sanson's for next year. We'll see with Sanson, we don't know yet, so, so jury's out on him. Sanson is accepted, but, and even Harahan, Harahan certainly lacks physicality, you know, he's not going to win too many headers, he's not going to out-muscle anyone, he's not going to win any 50-50 challenges, you know, we know what Harahan is. So, whoever goes into the Villa midfield currently has a severe lack of physicality and we have struggled against the big teams that have physicality. We struggled, as you mentioned, against Sheffield United, we really struggled against Burnley. Um because we just can't cope. So if we can't cope, it is the manager's responsibility, in my opinion, to switch those tactics when we're struggling against these big physical outfits. And we've spoken before, I have spoken before for sure, about Dean's obsession with his 4-3-3 and this 4-2-3-1 system, because sometimes it just hasn't 
been appropriate for the teams we were came, coming up against. And we saw when he changed to two up front against Fulham, what happened? We went and scored three goals in 10 minutes, absolutely smashed them. You know, Fulham are terrible, by the way. We should have beat them comfortably. West Brom, same thing. Somehow we're 2-1 down to those guys. Also terrible. We go two up top, we get two up top towards the end, we, we, we get the equaliser. And if that game would carry on for another five, six minutes, we would have won that one with two up top. But for some reason, Smith has just completely refused to do it. And I understand it if it's, and I've said this before too, I understand it. Liverpool, Man City, Klopp, Guardiola, they say, this is us, this is how we play, full stop. We let other teams worry about us. We don't worry about other teams. Aston Villa are not good enough to have that arrogance to say that, that this is how we play regardless. So, for example, today, what do you think? What, what, if it's 2-1, we're under the cosh. We can see, you can see we're about to concede. Let's say Dean switches the system. Let's say he goes to a 3-5-2. Let's say he, he withdraws Ramsey and Traore and El Ghazi, brings on Engels, Traore and uh, brings off, sorry, Engels, Grealish and Davis. Okay. And you go five at the back. So you've got the three center halves. They're going to deal with Benteke. You sit deep and say, okay, you know, Palace, you're going to have to take Andros Townsend pot shots from the edge of the area because you're not getting through here. And then you have Davis up top. You have Watkins up top and, Le- and, 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 and Grealish up top. And just leave the three of them up there unless you're defending a set piece. That means immediately Palace have got to adjust how they play. They've got to leave at least four players back to cover those three forwards. And then any time we do clear the ball, rather than it just bouncing back off Watkins, you've got Davis there who can certainly hold on to the ball. You've got Grealish there. And you're also going to ask them a different set of questions. Now, I'm not saying we wouldn't we would have won the game, but against the same thing happened, as you said, against Burnley. If once we start to get bombarded with those long diagonals from Burnley that we couldn't cope with, switch the three at the back, get the extra centre half in there and say, all right, we've got we've got the lead here. We've got the lead. If you fancy your chances, Palace, if you fancy your your um your chances, Burnley, we're gonna sit in now. You come pl- come you can play through us. Now, what do you think? Is that is that ridiculous or or what? No, I think I think that the whether it's the the, the formation change or or just just having those personnel, those different personnel, um, to, to 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 do that job, um, one way or another, that's that's what you do. I mean, personally, I think, I mean, Dean Smith, I think, said after the game that um, I think when Palace scored the third, though, just before that, they were going to go four four two and 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 try and have a go, but. Um, I don't think it would have made any difference. And I mean, it didn't. I mean, they brought on Wesley as well, didn't they? And, you know, it made absolutely no difference. So um, there was a there was a problem today with, with the whole... After the first 20 minutes or so, I think there was just a problem with the way the team were were functioning. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it was... If it was like a formation thing or a personnel thing or a tactical thing, it just didn't seem to be be, be coming together. And we've we've seen a lot of this um, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, I've, you know, the the kind of I was going to come on to sort of Jack Grealish um, in a bit, but we we might as well talk about talk about him as well. You know, he he kind of came on, didn't he, with thirty minutes to go. And I've just got this. I've just got this feeling that, you know, he's 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 using like Villa time to to get Jack Grealish up to speed for England, because um, it's this whole thing. You know, they're kind of bringing him in 
And he, I mean, he didn't really do. He just doesn't look fit to me. He doesn't look. Um, he looks a bit like he did um, after sort of project restart last season, where for the first five or six games, you know, he just wasn't contributing at all. He just wasn't um, in the games at all. And he looks like that. He looks isolated, really. And when he does get a chance, he might get fouled or or um, or whatever. But doesn't he's, he hasn't got that that um, you don't feel like something's going to happen when he gets the ball, other than you know the fact it's Jack Grealish and we're used to seeing him seeing him do things. So um, I don't know what you th- what you thought about that. I mean, you know, you know, is it is it wise to be using him like this? Um, you know, particularly if he if he isn't actually match fit. Well, um, no, <laughs> it's not wise. Um, would be the short answer. Um, if you ask me as a Villa fan and as a Jack Grealish fan, you know, I I, I love Jack Grealish. I had a big grin on my face when he, he came off the bench against Everton. Wonderful to see him back, and he was grinning his chops off as well. Um, obviously, we all—I won't say we all—I can't speak for all the Villa fans, but certainly. Um, I have an emotional attachment to to Grealish. He's from Solihull, grew up in Solihull, went to a Solihull school. So did I. He came through the Villa system as a magnificent player. I mean, I didn't, but, you know, I was unlucky with a knee injury. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Not really. Um, I wasn't wasn't that kind of level. But, you know what I mean? You you chose chose not to, didn't you, Craig? I chose chose a different path, path, yeah. yeah, I chose a different path. So, um, yeah, I I went on to work in in a different field. So, um, (laughs) anyway, but I I feel connected to Jack Grealish. And um, I feel like Jack Grealish and and Dean Smith and, um, you know, Ramsey coming through, Louis Barry coming through, and and we'll talk about the under-18s in a minute. Um, You know, there's a real personal connection with this Aston Villa team which we haven't had for years maybe not since we had you know, the likes of Ian Taylor in the team or, or Vassell or, or Gabby before he got fat you know we haven't got you know it's been a long time since we had this synergy um, I'm not fat shaming Gabby by the way you know he, he was a professional athlete he was he's paid to be in shape I don't care what shape anyone else is but if you're paid by Aston Villa to be an athlete be don't be three stone overweight. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, as an Aston Villa fan, um, yes, I want Jack in the squad because I want him to have his chance. But as an England fan at the moment, having watched him today, and I, and by the way, before before you jump all over me, people listening, I understand the first England fixture, I've got it here in the Euros, is June 13th, and we are, as we're recording this, May 16th. So Jack Grealish still has a month to get ready, okay? He still has a month. But as of right now, as an England fan, I would say no. I don't want him in the, in the, in the squad if I've, if, got, if I've got purely my England uh, glasses on. And the reason is because we've seen this story so many times as, as England fans. We've seen half-fit Michael Owens, half-fit David Beckham's, Rooney. If you're old enough, you even saw a half-fit Brian Robson patched up and rolled out there. It never ever works. The same goes for Henderson, by the way. I'm not a physio, I'm not a medical expert, but today um, he looked miles off the pace against Everton. He had a couple of nice touches, a couple of nice bursts, then he seemed to, seemed to have, you know, that, that seemed to be all he had. The balance seems off, as you said, Andy, the timing seems off. So um, Jack has another month before the start of, of, of that. Um, of, of the of England's first game, so he does have time to get some of that sharpness back. There's going to be some warm up games, some friendly games, and um, and and um, and yeah. And 
I don't necessarily have a problem with Villa Grealish using Villa to get fit because you know it, it, these are dead rubbers. But listen, people people question Southgate's relationship with Grealish. If Southgate doesn't want to take him, he has plenty of wiggle room now. Plenty of wiggle room. Um, so I suppose the only good for, for for Grealish if he doesn't go, Andy, is it's not two years until the next tournament. The next one's just you know twelve months away. So. Um, if it doesn't happen this year, maybe it'll happen next year. But for sure, if he doesn't go, Jack will be devastated. But, you know, he's injured. So I don't know what you do. Well, he is injured. And I, I mean, I was listening um, to the, the Sky Sports punditry before, um, such as it is, with Jamie Redknapp and, and Graham Souness. And, and Redknapp made a good point. You know, he said that, you know, when, when you've got players who have these recurring injuries and shin injuries or hamstring or calf injuries or whatever it happens to be you know you've got to be so careful you know and and if my worry about jack jack's injury is that if there's no i mean we don't know any details do we this is the thing but if there's if a scan and various investigations are showing no specific injury it's just pain in the shin that flares up he's he's gonna have a rough ride because how do you know when when you're gonna suddenly when it's going to suddenly break down again you know, and I, I do think he has to be careful, and I think he's got to think about, you know, the next few years of his career, really, because at the moment it feels like the world's his oyster, and he could play for anyone, and he could play for England, and he could go to tournaments. Um, but he's 25 now, and if he has a, a real problem that keeps recurring, he's not going to get his big moves if that's what he wants, and he's not going to be a regular in the England team. You know he'll he'll always have a, a place at Aston Villa, obviously, but is his career going to going to plateau off um, prematurely? And I think maybe um, it would have been better for him to, you know, because all right, we want to see him back as Villa fans. We want to see him on the field, absolutely. But maybe it would have been better for him to just see out the season and um, and forego those Euros because. Like you say, he might not get picked anyway. So, um, well, I, you know, the one thing that goes in his favour here is the expen- the expansion of the um, to, to the squad of, to, to twenty six. So, you know, if Southgate does want to take a gamble with someone, he can. Uh, but but Southgate doesn't appear to to me <laughs> to be a gambling man. Um, you know, we can probably expect two extra right backs from Southgate rather than um, him to you know include a Grealish or or a Madison or someone like that. But I think we're going to have to see. I think as 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 we say, probably he has to start now. You'd think both the Tottenham and the Chelsea games because you know he's going to have to be able to turn around to Southgate and say, "Yep, I've completed two ninety minutes." But he just didn't look like he could, he could do it today. So, um, so I mean, you know, time will tell. He he does still have a month. England do have warm up games. He's got time to get fit. But um, you know, I wouldn't want to be um, if if I was Jack Grealish, um, I would be I would be sweating over over the Euros. And especially as we know, it's a big dream of his. You know, he 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 will be devastated. But. But again, it's it's not his fault, you know. He has had a, an amazing season. He he got into the England squad on merit, man, man of the match in a couple of England games. You know, the the country by and large have fallen in love with him. But he's got this recurring shin issue, and just like we were talking about Matty Cash, you know, being concerned 
uh, for him for having his second hamstring injury, it's the same thing. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And um, I do hope again as a Villa fan that um, that Jack gets into the squad, but um, not at as you say, Andy, not at the expense of his long term future. There are going to be more seasons. There are going to be more t- more tournaments. As I said, there's one just 12 months down the line. So uh, if Super Jack is not right. Better, better, better to rest up, get healed, and, and go again uh, for the World Cup next year than 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 go as kind of this shadow Jack Grealish, where you can't show your best self on the world stage or the European stage, should I say? Yeah, to- to- totally agree, really, and uh, we'll see how it plays out over the next two weeks. And well, Southgate picks his squad, I think, after after the final games of of, of the season um, next Sunday. So. We'll see how that goes. Um, I did promise that we'd, uh, we'd we'd come back and talk about the Everton match, um, but really, I, the the one thing I, I, I want to focus on is the is the fact that the positive news that came out of that game was was Emmy Martinez and and the Villa defence um, equaling a record of fifteen clean sheets in a season, which was set by Brad Friedel and, and Co. Um, under under Martin O'Neill's tenure. Um, there's been little doubt this season really that although it's gone a, a little bit awry of recent weeks that the defensive solidity um, you know has, has has been much improved and, and such an important part of a, a much better season um, than we had last year um, you know how how important in the general imp- is, is is that general imp- improvement um, in the defense been over over the season for you how do you rate that? I think it's the most important, and um, and we saw why today. I think um, today was today when I, well when we're listening to this, it won't be today. Um, so the Crystal Palace game on Sunday was classic Aston Villa from last year, because as I said, it was you have a shot, we have a shot, you have a shot, we have a shot. It was a basketball game, and as we saw um, against Leeds, when we you know we played we played a basketball game with Leeds at home. And we came a cropper. We lost 3-0. But then Dean Smith, to his credit, adjusted the tactics for the return fixture away at Ellen Road. And he was like, okay, we're not going to try and play Leeds at basketball because Leeds are better at basketball than us. We're going to play long balls into the channel. We're going to bypass the midfield, bypass the press, and we're going to keep it. And we're going to sit deep. And we're going to say to um, Leeds, come break us down if you can. And they couldn't, which is exactly what I would have liked Dean to have done against Crystal Palace um, when we had the 2-1 up and we were under the cosh, change the system and say, all right, we're sitting in now, Crystal Palace, break us down if you can. Um, but he didn't. Um, last year, we had real problems with conceding so many chances and so many goals, and that is exactly what it was against Crystal Palace. If you need to score three or four goals as it is today to win a game of football, you are in big, big trouble. Even Man City cannot score three or four every week. Even Barcelona cannot do that. Even Man United can't do that. Liverpool can't do it. Liverpool just scraped by West Brom with a 2-1 win um, thanks to a header from a goalkeeper. So Villa, at the level we're at, we have no chance of doing that. On On the plus side, you always do fancy a Dean Smith team to nick a goal. So if you can keep those clean sheets, as we have done so often in, in the early part of the season, you see what happens. We can get one nils. We can get two nils. We can win points. So I think the defensive solidity has been so, so important. And Martinez has been a big, big part of that. 
so too is Tyrone Mings. I want to I want to take a moment to talk about Mings because Mings gets a lot of stick from some Villa fans who I think watch watch much watch different games than I watch. If you think that Tyrone Mings is not instrumental to the success of this Aston Villa defence, instrumental to the success of the clean sheets, and instrumental to the success and the positioning of his colleague Esri Konza, who's coming on leaps on bounds this season, and Matt Target, then, and Matt Target beside him, I welcome you to get yourself a bag of popcorn, get yourself an adult beverage, sit down and watch that Crystal Palace game again. And tell me that Mings isn't the most important player in the back half of in in, in our defence, okay? And Martinez accepted. Martinez is probably um, you know just as important, but you know Mings is the man. He's so important to Aston Villa, and the disrespect this guy has to deal with from some of our fan base is absolutely obscene. And if you needed any more evidence, again, get your popcorn, get yourself a bag of Doritos, watch the absolute shambles of our positioning. Watch Elmo going walkabout. If Mings is there screaming his head off, rounding the troops, that doesn't happen today. We don't con- we don't concede those three the, those three goals today. If Mings is in the team, not because he's Franz Beckenbauer, but because he's our leader and we need him in the team to lead the others and tell them what to do and where to be. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think a few people have um, have been kind of making that comment on social media since the game uh, today and um you know just how 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 kind of disorganized we looked at the back and 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 lacking confidence i think mings gives people confidence now you know we can all say of course you know tyra mings has has made some errors that, you know he's, he cost us a, a goal here and there but this is because he's in he's in those positions. This is his job. His his job is to is to organise and to be the last line of defence, but also to 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 make the play a lot of the time and to 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 make those those passes forward. And you know he he, he he's so important. He does the job. I think of two defenders um, a lot of the time. He's 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 so important. And we've we've talked we've talked to death on this podcast. You know how important he is, and, and and we value him incredibly highly. I I think a lot of people said twenty twenty five million for Tyra Mings was was way too much, and based on his career up to that point, it it possibly was, but he's certainly living up to it now. I think um, certainly over this season and the back end of last season, he's been absolutely incredible. And I hope his I hope his injury is okay and he'd be back on. On Wednesday night against Spurs, and 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 because uh, he, he, you know, he absolutely has to go to the Euros. He totally, absolutely deserves his place in that England squad, you know, and maybe even a start if Harry Maguire um, isn't ready for it. So, um, yeah, totally, totally agree. We can't, can't really. I mean, <laughs> you know, and like you say, I think it's 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 people people that that that, um, that maybe don't see see that importance. Um, they see how how well Ezri Kons has been doing, and that's beyond question as well. Um, but they they don't appreciate the job that, that Tyra Mings has done, and, and and how important he's been to to those other players um, in uh, in, a, in in kind of improving them as well. So, no, absolutely, um, you know, needs to be said needs to be said over and over again, and I'm sure we will next season as well. Um, 
you just wanted to um to touch a little bit on the on the under 18s as well craig um they obviously played west bromwich albion on friday evening at villa park um in the semi final of the fa youth cup and uh absolutely trounced West Brom 4-1 um, I mean I didn't actually get to see this game I, I must confess I've seen I've seen um, the goals from the game um, it just looked like a, a an absolute uh, an absolute doing that they, they they dished out to West Bromwich Albion and they'll be in the final on the 29th of May yeah um, anyone who watched the, the Newcastle game it was it was a little bit closer but not much I think um, they the the Aston Villa under 18 team if if you have the opportunity to watch the uh watch the um them the final you know you really should because they are well worth a, a look um Chuck Wamenka and Louis Barry are probably you know the, the most famous to Villa fans as well as um and uh, Kane Hayden Kessler because he's been on the the bench for Aston Villa uh, but also we've got this young striker by the name of Brad Young who is like a uh, he's like a little pit bull he reminds me of a of a, of a young uh, Jamie Vardy, not necessarily in playing style or, or running style, but just in sheer enthusiasm. Um, I don't think he's as necessarily as talented as the other players as a, as a footballer right now, but you know that can that can change. But his attitude and his work rate it seems absolutely absolutely wonderful, you know. And and just through the spine of the team, um, we've we've got some real 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 talent in there. Um, so I just want to say congratulations. This is the first team i think um since 2011 i believe that we've had in the um we've had in these uh in these um in the in the fa cup youth final and also a shout out to christian perslow and a shout out to um our owners again <laughs> they get a lot of love on this podcast our owners but rightly so because just as exciting as what's been going on in the first team is what they've done to transform this what what you know is, is a failing academy essentially I mean, you judge the academy by how many players, you know, you get into the first team and also how many you're able to sell on for profit. Now, in recent years, since Jack Grealish, we have had some players who have come into the first team, um, the likes of uh, Hepburn Murphy, the likes of O'Hare, who's had a cup of coffee, uh, Jack, Doyle Hay- Jack Doyle Hayes, Callum O'Hare, uh, Andre Green, probably the most prominent one. Now, all those players at the moment are playing, um, you know, I think the best one out of the bunch is... Um, is, is O'Hare who's who's playing towards the bottom of the championship so unfortunately none of them were good enough for Villa at that point in time but we potentially have this is this is dangerous to say but I'm going to say it we might have a class of, is it the class of 93 the, the, the Beckham skulls yeah, like, 92 yeah. class of 92 <laughs> there you go we might have a class of 92 on our hands here with, with these guys you know from Reiki to the to the centre backs uh, uh, Swinkles and um Chris N, that the lad from uh, from from Exeter, and the, all the other players mentioned, we've got some real exciting, exciting, exciting things coming through. So, while I do think Villa will go big again in the transfer market, it's only going to be 12, 24 months before we we start to see these these players knocking on the door for the first team. And even if they can't get in the first team, hopefully, unlike O'Hare, unlike uh, uh, um, Andre Green. And the rest I've just mentioned, and and the really talented goalkeeper we had. Who's the talented goalkeeper we had? Went to went to Leicester, and then went to Wolves. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Serbian guy, Sarkic. Yeah, yeah. We got no money for any of those players. They all left on freeze. So even if we have, you know, that's ridiculous. So even if we can't 
can't incorporate them to the first team hopefully we can we can at least raise some money from from this academy and um long may it continue yeah absolutely i mean they need to these players as well they do need to see that that pathway to the first team i know um Carney Chukwemeka is 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 highly sought after all around Europe, um, Italy, Germany, and of course in this in this country, um, Premier League teams wanting him. So he's under contract at Villa, obviously at the moment, but he needs to see that progress and that progression and that pathway to the first team. Otherwise, he will look elsewhere. He's seen, you know, Jude Bellingham from down the road, you know, going to Borussia Dortmund and playing in Champions League at the age of 17 and and um, playing for England. And, I mean, he's a special case, Bellingham, but someone like Chukwemeka is going gonna, is gonna to look at that. He's got no particular um, ties to Aston Villa. He's from Northampton. He's not He's not necessarily a, an Aston Villa boy. So in the same way that, that Louis Barry is or, or Jack Grealish is. So he's going to look look for the best the best route to first team and international football, and um, you know we we need to make sure that these players are involved if they're good enough, and that's the big if. You know they have to be good enough. We we, we can't. You know Dean Smith made the point the other day that they that he will draft them in when they're ready, um, and what and if he thinks they're good enough. But um, from everything you hear about uh, Chuck Omeka and 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 Louis Barry, of course. They they absolutely are um, going to be good enough, and uh, it will be really exciting to see them. I think I think Chukwemeka actually could could surpass uh, Jacob Ramsey next season, and, and and maybe take his spot if Ramsey goes out on loan, uh, and and make make his make his way into the first team um, that way. So well, you know, there, hopefully, there's... I'm looking forward to that. There's Aaron Ramsey as well, who's supposed to be, you know, the better of the two. It could be a similar, you know, situation we have with the Moore brothers. You know, the 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 younger ones tend to be a little bit better than the the older ones sometimes. So, we'll see. But I think Chuck, what 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 would you do with him out of interest? We've not really spoken about uh, Carney Chukwemeka too much. Would you um, be tempted to draft him in a bit like JJ? You know, he's on the bench already. You know, is he going to be part of the first team squad? Maybe he comes off the bench here or there, or would you say? Okay, you got uh, Carney. Let's get you a, a championship loan, or get you, a, a, you know, a European loan, and uh, come back next year when you're bigger and stronger, a bit more experienced. What, what would you do with him? My my first um, thought is to is that he would he would be in the first team. He'd, he'd have a squad number next season, and he'd be in the in the match day, the match day eight. Uh, what is it now? Twenty. It's about for fifty-five um, at the minute. I, <laughs> I mean, that would be my choice. I think. I think Louis Barry might go out on loan, but I think Carney will um, will hang around, and and they may because I think he is considered. He is rated that highly, and I think we are quite fortunate to have him. Really, so um, I would certainly have him involved next season. You know, and then see how it goes. It might be that that. You know, you get to January and you think actually, a few months, you know, playing um, like you say abroad or, or in the championship might be good for him. Um, but I'd certainly be keeping him around to start with. Absolutely. Well, I've actually seen a, a change in the in the loan system. I don't know if that's coming in in this close season, but apparently we'll be able to loan out under twenty two year old players or players under the age of twenty two to say it more properly. Um, at any time during the season, there won't be closed off transfer windows. So, for example, um, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to do that at any time. So, for example, we've had, you know, players in the past, probably one of the reasons Callum O'Hare uh, and and uh, Hepburn Murphy or, or Andre Green, um, 
they didn't necessarily get the minutes at the right time in their development by the time that they were around the first team they're almost too old so i think the loan system might new new loan system might might help with her in that regard because they can see okay you've got four or five players in front of you right now go out for two months and um come back in january see where we are yeah i think that would be sensible and that's also good for teams taking players on loan at times that sometimes they just need they need a player for for a short period of time and they don't necessarily want to want a full season or a or a six month do you think we can loan a right back for the last two games? <laughs> I don't know. Can we get Gilbert back? I don't know. I don't know. I think that well, might be against he's the rules. finished in France. Maybe I don't know how it works. <laughs> but uh, no, we'll we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think we that's another thing we can speculate on um, during the summer uh, podcasts. I think. Um, but now Villa will conclude their their season um, in the next week um, as they travel to Spurs on, on Wednesday evening and then entertain Chelsea um, both games being played in front of uh, around 10,000 supporters um, at Spurs and at Villa Park on Sunday and some lucky souls have been selected from the ballot um, to attend that game uh, on, on, on Sunday at Villa Park I was not one of them um, but there we go and it's it's great news for the game, and of course it's 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 hopefully positive news, um, you know, regarding the pandemic and and our, our movements forward out of it. Um, but what are you looking for f- from these two games, you know, just to sort of set us up with that 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 summer feeling of excitement and confidence um, as we look to build and 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 hopefully challenge for for the top six next season. Well, I think we're looking for. Um more what we saw in the away game against Everton um, who, who are a decent team above us in the league more of that kind of performance than than the dross we've seen against uh, against Palace and the dross we saw um, at certain portions against West, West Brom and you know Man United we were well let's not talk about that again um, you know I think I want to see more of that but I think this is this is an interesting thing that you said challenge top six next season now I, I, you know, call me a, a bar humbug here, but I don't think that Villa are going to be in a position to challenge for the top six next season. Um, you know, and you know, the next step is going to be top eight, I think, and trying to qualify for the Europa League or the new the new Conference League. Um, to use to coin a phrase that you like, uh, 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 Andy, we have to fight the bear just to yes. stand still. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so. You know, just to, if you if you look at you know looking at the Villa squad, we've talked already in detail about Gilbert. We've talked about Harahan. We've talked about Elmo. You you mentioned earlier about left back. You know, just at the bare minimum, we're looking at Heaton leaving, Elmo leaving, Taylor leaving, Harahan leaving, Barkley leaving. So that's five for sure that need replacing from from our first team group. And then if you add Louise, if Man City do or don't trigger his release cause, Engels and maybe Gilbert, then you're looking at eight players. Now, we saw what happened a couple of years ago when you try and scratch around the Belgian league or the Turkish league, you know, for for, for, for players. So if we need to replace five to eight players, I mean, you, you're going you're gonna to need to spend 70 million, 80 million just to, just to stand still, just to fight the bear, as you say. You know, to replace those players with 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 quality above what we already have, for, to bring in first team players, 
in all those positions. You're looking at 30 million players, 20 million players. It's all 20 million plus, and the sky's the limit. You're not going to sign anyone for our first team at this point, really, for under, you know, 20 million or, you know, 14 million. We got a good deal with Sanson, so there might be some value to be had in France. But I think it's going to be really, really tricky, and I don't know just how big Villa are going to go. Um, but I'm looking at the squad, and I, I'm always a bit terrified of squad churn. And I see already this is this is we have a big season of squad churn. Even if Louise Engels and Gilbert stay, we're gonna to have to replace like five first team players. No, absolutely. And like you say, it's 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 how much does it cost to go from eleventh place or tenth place, hopefully, to to ninth, eighth, and top six. You know, we this is what we had all those years ago with Randy Lerner. We couldn't get past sixth place. You know, and it wasn't Randy Lerner wasn't prepared to continue fighting the bear, and he he pulled the plug, <laughs> and um, and the the bear the bear over the course of the next few years slowly devoured us. So, you know, I don't know if anyone gets that analogy at all. I, I love this saying. analogy. I'm going to bring it up every week. <laughs> but um, but now now of course you know you have to you have to spend big to stand still. Uh, a lot of the time, or just hope that that you get lucky um, with some of your, or you have you have you can get certain deals that that are that are particularly advantageous for the club, and and you get players that really come into their own, and 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 a, and a group of players that clicks. You know, it's not always um, about how much you spend. You know, there is a, a coaching element and a and an organisation element to it as well, um, and sometimes a bit of luck. Um, and it can happen in football. Um, it's a lot rarer than it used to be, but um, I mean, we'll see. I, I tend to agree. I think I think top eight is is still the target for next season, and um, we've we. I feel like we've been close this year, um, and but for the Grealish injury, I think we would have done it. Even just to replace, I think we would have done it too, uh, but for the Grealish injury. But um, you know, next year fans are going to be back. This this season has been a bit loop the loop, hasn't it? It's been a bit topsy turvy. So you know, and. Um, a lot, lot of teams have, have, have struggled. You know, the likes of Arsenal have badly struggled. Tottenham have been a mess this year. That might not be the case again next year. Those teams can can reinforce and come again. But, you know, even just looking at, just thinking about one position, if we look at left back, and we're going to talk more about this, you know, there's, if you get like a Danny Rose, for example, you know, he's, he's, he's 31, 32, he's back up to target. Um, you know, he's going to be expensive on wages, but is that really going to take us forward? No, you need to sign a Danny Rose really just to kind of stand still. Or a, a Van Arnholt, I think, is available on a free or Bertrand, someone like that with Premier League experience. Or then, do you go and spend £20 million on Rico Henry? But then if you're spending £20 million on left-back, how much do you have to spend on the striker or the winger? So it's really tough. I think Mark mentioned a lad from Benfica last week, Tavares. That's going to be a 15, 20 million just for left back. So if you start to um, to to address all the positions in the team that we need to, to look at, it can start to get very, very expensive very quickly. Again, just to, just to stand still. So um, it will be really interesting to see. But I think, you know, bringing this full circle to the Greenish conversation, the cash conversation, we need cash fit. 
We need to make sure we address his hamstring issues. We need Grealish fit. We need to make sure we address his shins, shin issues because, you know, we've already got enough churn and enough players to replace here without having to worry about those two, um, you know, on long-term injury. But I think, I think I've gone around the houses a little bit here in answer to your earlier question. I think it's just, um, it's just now sort of trusting in the process, isn't it? And trusting Smith, Lang and uh, Perslow to, to get the, get the deals over the line and, and hopefully improve the squad um, going forward. But but we have we've still got two games to go, so we're coming to the end now of the of the podcast. But um, as we do, do you want to give me a prediction for the Spurs game and then a prediction for the Chelsea game? Yeah, I do. But first, I need an answer from you from the earlier question: Is Konza, should Konza go to right back and Engels or Halls come in to partner Mings for the last two games? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Elmo stays where he is. Yeah, let him have his let him have his um, his lap of honor. His swan song. Yeah. All right. Does Taylor get one as well? Are we dropping targets? Taylor get a, a fair no, old game. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no? All right. No. Fine. My prediction is. Um, um, I think it's 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 the way. We, I think we're going to draw against Tottenham. So I'll go 1-1 there and I think we'll lose to Chelsea unless Chelsea are resting their players for the Champions League final. If they play like, you know, a, a youth team and, and they play players they're not interested in like our poor mate Tammy Abraham who Tuchel has really, really screwed over in my opinion. Um, I think we can beat Chelsea but if assuming both Chelsea and Tottenham are full strength I think we draw with Tottenham I think we lose to Chelsea. Okay. Well, I'm going to say I think I think we'll I think we'll lose to Tottenham because they'll have their their fans in, and I think we'll beat Chelsea because we'll have our fans in. Um, I think the players will rise to the um, to the hopefully the noise that's coming from the uh, from the stands for the first time this season at Villa Park, and uh, I'm not there, but I'll certainly be looking forward to to watching that and seeing seeing some supporters in in Villa Park because it's been way too long, and I think it might be. Might be quite an emotional day for 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 us Villa fans, so I'm going to say, well, yeah, Spurs will beat us in front of their fans, and we'll beat Chelsea in front of ours. But uh, but that's all from us this week. Um, thanks, Craig, for joining me today. It's been a it's been a great chat. Uh, lots to chew over, and and we'll be back next week to uh, to really sort of put the final the final seal on the season, and 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 really give it a bit a bit of a review and see see where we've been maybe even have have all four of us on next week if we can um, but thanks for joining me today and thanks for listening everyone if you do want to follow the the podcast and the website um give us a like on on twitter instagram and facebook um head over to there and, and give us a give us a like or go to the the website which has got some great content um looking at the obviously the men's team um the, the the academy and the women's team and we'll be covering all the transfer activity over the summer as well so keep keep an eye on that website and in the meantime if you are going to villa park on saturday enjoy it and give them a shout from us um and we'll see you next week for the final podcast of the of the season thank you very much and up the villa <laughs>